Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, another Friday listener question corner. Peter, how's it going? It's good. Yeah. No, I'm excited about this question. It's a good question. I don't think people ask this question till the last minute a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll try and get it done early and you can start thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I also really like, well, as I'm alluding to the question, uh, I like this question based on the fact that yesterday I did my yay first long run back since my 100 miler. So okay. How, let's timestamp this. How long has it been since you ran 100 miles? It has been five weeks. So five weeks. And this was the first time you've run longer than, give me some time. Um, I did like a two hour, two hour, 15 minute one a couple weeks ago. Okay. Uh, that was fine, but that was very like on the road, very chill, very So you easy. ran 5% of your longest run of the year. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, but there you go. Five weeks. I think that's probably about right. I always, uh, there was a post Linda Wallenstead, who's a great coach. I don't know her, but I wish I did. I should try and reach out, but she does some great mountain bike plans. She's been around as long as I can remember. And there's, she has a couple posts. Uh, around this like recovery after race and she does it with training stress score tss our favorite metric uh, and just you know how big is the event and then how long to recover and i actually did a post sort of building on that as i like to do sort of take this and then sort of you know maybe expand it out so we'll try and link to that in the the, the post but that that was the 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 issue right is like if, if you're going deep and it's a longer race and this tss you know whatever is getting up to a lot uh it takes a long time to recover, like weeks, weeks. Yeah. And it's most people are back at the weekly race on the Wednesday after, right? Or the group run. I remember showing up for the Wednesday night cyclocross practice three days after I did Ironman back when I was 23. Uh, not not something I would recommend, mm-hmm. by the mm-hmm. way. I think that really like put me in a hole for probably a year after. Um, yeah, and it was actually, so it was funny, as we were running, so it was a 21-mile trail run, which was awesome. Uh, we were running, and we were talking about the fact that uh, my friend Karen and I are going out for a training camp at the end of May, and it's going to be uh, three runs about, set, like, it's going to be about 70 miles, and we're, we're going to run a couple days beforehand and probably run this the This is day for after. Western States, for let's Western name States. it. Yeah, so this is, like, the big, one of the biggest, I would say, races in North America, if not the world, but yeah. pro- let's say North America. Okay, uh, just to, for the record, I'm not the one racing right, it. Karen's right. racing it. And this is the camp, the pre-camp. But uh, I, was, I was saying, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. I, I've never done like a hundred mile training week and it's going to be my like biggest training. And everyone just like stopped and looked at me. Like I was com- like, I had like three heads. I was like, okay, so I have done a hundred mile training right. week. It, it, technically. You did a day. Day. A hundred mile day. And actually that week would have been like 115 miles right. with, with some, you know, little, right. little efforts. But you know what? I actually will make the argument. I think it's a completely different animal because running back to back to back to back, you actually have like this weird amount of time to recover, but it's not that much time. And like you actually have to, your performance level is going to be higher for it. You're running faster than you are for a hundred miles straight, mm-hmm. which maybe goes to my like, okay, so fine. My plan of just training for 15 hours, one day a week to have my <laughs> yeah, 15 hour. Ma- training always week. said that the, there's something, you know, just what if you just trained one day really hard and then could take the rest of the week off. But for like a very extended mm-hmm. period of time. Well, I don't, you're, you're right. It, it is different. And if you start getting a knee niggle, you know, the knees start hurting or something, 
you'd probably pull off the one day and who knows what happens afterwards. But the problem is if, if that happens on a 30 mile run and then you stop, then, then you get into the inflammation state and you think about it and you sleep and then it's poofed up the next morning. So yeah, there's definitely something about time there. So it is different. Just sure. Uh, anyway, all of this, uh, all of this ultra conversation, aside, well, I guess not aside, kind of feeds really nicely into our question, which is about how much food to pack in your, your race pack. So your, your vest, your hydration pack, whatever you want to call it, uh, versus relying on aid stations during ultras. And this can, this can apply to gravel or ultra running. Okay. Uh, and if the race allows for drop bags, which a lot of them now do, a lot of these ultra endurance events on the yeah, bike or for on the, the longer run. distances. I don't know. Even Ironman actually allows for drop bags. Sure. Uh, so what do you did put in a drop bag? We did not. Actually, I think both of us had emergency drop yeah. bags that just had a few things in them. I tend to go with that strategy if, like, I think it's good to have an emergency and we can talk about what's in the minute, the bag in any case. But yeah, I'm trying to think the one client who just did that one. What was that? I think you could do drop bags probably for the 50 K, but the 50 mile and the hundred mile certainly have drop bags. Yeah. And you know, it's, it is a tricky thing. It depends on, first of all, like the drop bag usage really depends on your race strategy. If you're racing, racing where you every second counts, like drop bags do take a bit of time, right? Like in Ironman, you're stopped. You're waiting for the volunteer to pull your bag out. You either have to like stop running or stop biking for enough time to actually like pull some, out. What's and some races bag. are good and some races you're on your own. They've like sorted them usually by rows. So, you know, your tens and your twenties and your thirties, and then you have to sort it. So, and you have to do this, like <laughs> the scavenger hunt while you're, you're so fatigued and delirious, you've been running steady and then you stop. So the blood pools, you bend over. <laughs> I imagine they see some comical things, but some races, I don't know if they do radio or they have a spotter and they're like 66 and then the person runs and grabs 66 and they hold them out basically for you and then take your bag and put it back. So that's that. So did we get through the question? I just want to make sure we we're clear. Yeah. So, so that's the question is what, what do, do you carry in your pack versus relying on the and aid make stations? The decisions. Uh, so right. this is a great question because I mean, aid stations vary so wildly. I mean, you just had a client who, uh, hit an aid station and they were actually out of water by the time he got there. Right. Uh, so that was a huge who issue. Are you? Yeah. Who are you? Who um, are you in the race? During the, uh, the hundred miler I did, there was, there were two man or yeah, two manned aid stations that were amazing. Uh, and then there were actually like a lot of unmanned aid stations along the course, but it was literally like a big water jug. And then, um, they had a Tupperware container. That's not the right word. A big, rubber made container uh that if you opened it had just sort of random assortment of gels or whatever gels and pringles and like coke and stuff like sure. that but it was very like serve yourself so this is a who are you and what are you trying to do so if you're at the pointy end of the stick you're probably going to have you know you're trying to win this race you're probably going to have as many aid people as is reasonable for you to not even have to rely on the the aid stations much you're maybe grabbing a cup or a quick drink or you know, if they're passing something in a longer hundred mile, you know, people are grabbing some of these, you were grabbing soup at the one yeah, I manned one. And I could have went there to, you know, give you your own special soup, but you were happy with what was at the aid station. So I think. Uh, also special soup sounds like you were putting special like EPO <laughs> in my soup. I don't know. Special. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it's, I guess the, the question is, do you have so many aid people? So probably not for most people. You maybe have one person at one of the aid stations. Leadville is like this where there's many aid stations, maybe six or seven. 
most people just can because of the logistics of getting people to different places they're only at the one that's at 40 and 60 miles in leadville and i imagine running's probably similar you, you have way more time at yeah, usually running, they're actually spread out like between every three to five miles, I would say, for the ultras. There's something. It might sure. not be a mandate station, but there's yeah. usually like some kind of water situation. So my my thought with this question, my first thing is just like water, I wouldn't be super stressed on. Like you're always going to be pretty close to some water. I mean, definitely check. Actually, maybe the first point is check the tech guide or check the race website. Um, if they don't have what they have at the aid stations or how close the aid stations are to each other, email the promoter and ask. Mm -hmm. uh, you are certainly not the first person to like ask the promoter that question. Uh, you will not be the last. Um, and it's probably, honestly, I find asking them usually prompts them to actually update that on the website, which is always nice. Right. So 50K to me strikes me, it's probably going to be a little faster, a little racier. So you're probably not going to have the gut fatigue and or the palate fatigue that you would have where, again, in the 100 miler, people were eating brisket when you did it. Uh, you were eating just an assortment because your taste of what you'll actually stomach, uh, let alone taste, like you just, you won't be able to get it down. So you'll see, I was just reading John, I think it's John Keeley, a random forest runner, and he has a really extensive deep blog and he's done Barkley Marathon. He's won it, I believe. Uh, so just, a, it's a treasure trove, but for that race, because it's so extreme in, in every version of the word he was talking about just they would have a spread of food so sweets and not so sweet soup whatever at the car and then he would bring like i don't know if it would be like three times the amount of fuel he needed to complete there's five loops or something i think or numerous loops that they do and so he would bring you know a kit kat he would bring you know a gel he likes hammer products so he you know a, a bar hammer bar just different chocolate bars and then probably something more savory like jerky or whatever. So in a long, long race, if there's going to be palate fatigue, then I think you have to carry way more. I think if you're on racing and you have been using hammer products or tailwind, like your, your example is you actually ran tailwind the entire way through in your pack. Yeah. People still seem really surprised by I that. I think it's rare. I don't think a lot of people do that. Even this John Keeley guy, he said in the first half, I think he was able to run hammer stuff like basically processed, you know, whatever sugar powders and so forth, basically the first half, and then he couldn't do it as much. So you, you have to know yourself, right? And this is where training I think comes in too, as you know, what's in your pack. And I'm pretty big on, you know, our cyclists, we carry our tools and our tubes on every single ride so that when you get a flat or a mechanical, you can at least try to fix it. And I would say actually a lot of runners I know really don't follow this rule super well. Like their long runs, they're not bringing everything they would use for a race. They're trying to get through it with a handheld or they're yeah. you know, under fueling. They're not eating. So if you don't eat, then this is a training issue and that's a separate topic. But if you don't eat, then you don't know that you're, you love hammer products or you hate hammer products. And this isn't an ad for hammer products, but... Uh, no, if anything, it's an ad for Tailwind, who I feel like really should sponsor me at this point. But I'm thinking, so we, last use. year I did uh, Clarny with you, and that's a 50 mile, 50 mile, 50 yeah. mile, 80K. And so I had these waffles, and I ran, every time we did a big run with your group, I would eat, try and get like four or five down. Which, which is probably even more than you needed for those runs, but it was prepping for it was the, mostly, these runs. Yeah, yeah. And I'm generally, I I don't know. I don't, I'm don't. i probably bad at eating to start off with. But I, for that reason, I would probably gravitate more in the, historically to using like a hammer gel flask or something uh, and just running with that because I can get it down. And I've never had an issue with that. But then I was like, ah, for this, I'd rather start moving to more solids. So I just practice 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 and then i brought two of these big packages of waffles on Killarney, and it was fine and we had a couple gels and i don't know what else we had 
maybe a Snickers or something. Yeah, something to something that like that. So in any case, I think the, the answer is always practice it as much as you can in a similar situation, similar intensity. Use your gear so you know your pack works. Uh, and then during the race, I would always have a little bit extra because you might not like what you have or you might burn through it faster than you think. Yeah, yeah. And just never, I think I love, I love hitting the aid stations and taking advantage of them for sure. But I also like knowing that I have enough stuff that if the aid station doesn't have what I want, because I've definitely been in a few ultras where even even the aid stations were promised to be much better than they were. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they just kind of sucked. I think having that insurance, yeah. And that goes for water too. Uh, you know, the, my one client was 20 minutes, I think, that they were waiting for water. And, you know, they're sort of, you get exposed basically. So you could keep going, but now you're gambling that you're not going to get exposed without water, which may not matter really in some races if it's towards the end, but it's tricky. You definitely want to, again, if you're at the back of the group, this is where those aid bags become more important and where you may be putting water in your aid bag you know a secure bottle so it doesn't leak all over everyone else's stuff i would be putting you know for runners this is we didn't talk about aid bags so i'm sort of parlaying into this R stuff for chafing whatever you do with your chafing if it's tape or uh what is that stuff called moleskin mm -hmm. whatever it is probably some kin tape is just a good solution whether you're repairing packs or nipples or <laughs> getting irritated uh or you actually need you know maybe you think you need kin tape on your back or again just for blisters i find it's good yeah and this won't apply to everyone because i mean some of the some of the problem with the drop bags is you don't get the drop bag back so you are gambling that you know, you're putting your chafe stuff in, but you're not going to get it back. Some sure. of them you can get it back. I've given away a lot of CO2s and yeah. spare tubes over the years. Those always really hurt. But the one thing I was going to say, if you can get your bag back or you do have an aid station person who can be at halfway or whatever, what I found was trading the pack. Like we had two packs and we just would shift it for like it a whole new one. Yeah. And that was honestly the best thing. I actually, Mike Vandenham, I was interviewing about gravel racing and he said the exact same thing. He just has two packs and mm -hmm. you know if, assuming it's a race where he has an aid per a crew person to help him he just he has two of everything like his sure. packs are identical they have the exact same stuff in them and he just switches it out and oh my gosh does that ever speed you up right mm -hmm. like um, can it, you imagine the pit change if we'd had to like replace my hydration pack every time like, yeah and you're still coming in and taking from the smorgasbord which is again at the aid stations you might still oh you know i'm feeling like some a handful of chips or a slice of pizza but then at least in your pack you have your essentials that you know pretty much you're going to be able to get your whatever it is the bar you like or the waffles you like or the chocolate bar or whatever it is and then your water is lots that you can keep going with uh, and then I had another, yeah. And then Mike, if Mike had a flat, so for the cyclists, if he had a flat, then, then when he comes in, he can sell, say like, if, if that pack's going back out to him, which it probably wouldn't be for cycling, but in your case, we had to give you the pack back. So we have to go through and do an inventory of you've used these things, replace them, uh, if necessary. So similarly, you know, you might have to replace the tube or the CO2, but if Mike had flatted, then at least he's restocked for the next mechanical, uh, if he was to have another one, right? So maybe the tire plugs or the whatever he has with him. Uh, so that's that's really sick. And you could put a whole pack, you know, you make sure your bladder is turned off if it has the off switch so it doesn't leak. And then that's your quick, you grit your aid bag, put your new pack on, throw your other pack in, hopefully you get it back. And then, yeah, that, that could be a really smart uh, way to do your yeah. aid station. A little expensive if you're uh, if you're not getting it back. Well, but yeah. if you are, um, actually on the note of the 
bladder or the bladder not leaking though now that i'm thinking about it that is definitely a concern if it's one of those things where it's getting you know you drop it off at the start finish and they and they stack they them all stack up stack them all up so what i would actually do is if you don't have an off switch i would actually put a little baggie over your nozzle uh and just rubber band that so at least that way if it leaks or it like just sprays a bit it's not going to get all over the place it'll just go into the baggie it's probably a smart way to i guess you could like a, with a hose you would crimp the hose but i <laughs> then you end up with the hose leaking yeah and i've you. ruined your hose uh yeah i don't know there's probably some i mean even just blowing into the hose probably would at least put an air bubble yeah in, maybe i don't know so that's that so have we got through so we're what are we carrying uh you know what you've used in training is sort of the the smart answer but Usually that looks like 200 calories plus per hour, or I just even sometimes say you should be eating something every hour, including the first one. Uh, in these long races, especially, it's a lot of times no one eats for the first two hours, and then they're, you know, oh, you know, I was fading uh, in the last little bit. So starting early, having your plan, practicing your plan, 200 calories an hour, or sort of 40 to 60 grams is that that's our rough rule of thumb, plus or minus for your yourself and what you've practiced. Yeah. Water is 16 to 20 ounces per hour. Again, there are extremes when, you know, in, in people and then extremes in temperatures and stuff. Uh, so with that, the reason I'm mentioning that here just to close is that now you can really plan out your nutrition. Where, how are you going to hit these targets so that at the end of the race, if that, what would a 50K take? Eight. Totally depends. 12 hours. 12 times 200, 2400 calories. Where are those calories on your pack? When are you, you know, and then we have a plan and it starts simplifying. And I think if you write this out on paper and I have all these gels and you look at the gels and you're like, I don't think I can eat. <laughs> what is that? Is that 48 gels? No, 24 gels, 24 gels. Your math is getting weird on this no, one. 20, but... 12 hours, two gels an hour, hundred calories a gel, 2,400 calories. It could be that simple, but that will get disgusting. I, I imagine. It'd also be a very climby 50 K if it took you 12 hours. I don't know. Some of them are slow. Okay. Yeah. No, you're you're completely right. Um, I think the other thing to think about with the aid stations is actually like in in a hot race, thinking about the aid stations, you know, a for just taking a few sips of really nice cold water because frankly sometimes like your pack just gets gross. Like if it's if, hot if, out, if you're running it's gonna get warm. Yeah. It's gonna be disgusting. Uh, so it is nice to take a couple sips of cold water, but also take a couple little cups of the cold water and you know splash it on your face. Like wipe some of that sunscreen that's stinging your eyes out. Uh, you know, even get your hit your wrists and like you know get your buff wet and put that back on your your yeah, forehead. And big exposure races, yeah, which would be our unbound gravel. Any of these summer races are going to have heat exposure, and that's part of the reason I like the clear water in bottles and packs is that you do have the option then to douse yourself. Whereas if you're running mix, you now have given that up. And, and to your point, the mix can become, you're really trying to drink a lot because it's so hot. So now you're also fueling a lot, which could be good, but it could also be, you just drained your whole pack in an hour and that was three hours of fuel. So then you could end up with gut stuff from any of those issues. It could be the heat. It could be the amount of water you bring in. It could be the amount of fuel you just stuffed into your gut. So decoupling those by using mostly solids and then having some clear or at least, you know, lightly, uh, lighter mix, right? Your mix was pretty heavy. I don't think it was too heavy 
like extremely heavy. It wasn't 2,400 calories. No, it was like 800 calories per 1.5 liters, which I would probably drop down to like 500 in the summer. That's what I've done on like hot races and then tried to do more, more gels and stuff. Yeah, measuring out like a Scratch Labs or uh, some of these other ones that are, are a lighter, like it's much lower on the calories. I think the bottle total is like 50 or something. I would just use less tailwind. Like that's... And then, and then but then you'd fuel with a gel or yeah, a bar exactly. or whatever. Yeah. Like I do think once you find a product you like, it's it's so much easier to just stick with that and just kind of change the ratio of water mm-hmm. to product. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people love using a bunch of different ones, but I've just found this is the one I like. This is the one I stick with. Like done. No question. Yeah. Uh, if a race has Gatorade, I'm not drinking that. Um, right. Yeah. Whereas some people are cool with that. Right. And so I think that's like, maybe the last thing is, is it's always that I, I always think of this as like an Ironman or marathon type thing. I, I've where you go on and you see like marathons are very good about posting exactly what's at each aid station. And so then you sort of know, and and the old wisdom was that you, okay, well then you train with Gatorade because that's, what's going to be at the tables. That's how I trained for Ironman. So it's not to say I have nothing against Gatorade. It's just, it's not what I use now. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't Mm -hmm. mess with it now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's, that's that. I, I would say definitely a little bit extra in case of any of these issues, you know, you miss the aid station, they don't have it. You need more drop something you don't like something i think that's it in most in most ultras and i would probably do this in a lot of gravel races and actually um i've heard this from from a lynn Bassett actually was telling me about it she she also does a lot of gravel now and she rides with a catadin in her pack uh, and i run with a catadin in my pack during any ultras if i know there's going to be water on like literal water on the course at creeks and stuff mm. just in case like it's a really so this is like a filter thing. bottle so there's life straw makes them and there's yeah. a couple different companies so this is a phys- i guess it's a physical filter yeah it gets most of the stuff i th- think i always feel there's a little bit of a risk there where you're depending on how you're pull- or where you're pulling the water but it's, you it's can also good... bring iodine tablets if you want to like double it up. Or, or just iodine, I guess, too, if you wanted. Yeah, yeah, I just like having that emergency ability to refill my pack if I need to. Or actually the nice thing with the catadin is because it's a it's a lid on a soft bladder. Uh, so it's really not that much. It, it takes up no space. And also if you do hit an aid station and you have mix in your pack, but you're like just so thirsty, you're much thirstier than you thought you'd be. You could actually fill the catadin with water at the aid station mm-hmm. and just bring that extra you know, half held. liter or sure. whatever with you as a handheld and drink some clear water. And that could be a great strategy. Like your pack might get you through the whole 50 K if you fill up two of these. Right. And again, that's where that math on the, the rough amount of water you're going to need mm-hmm. can come in. You can measure out, okay, two, 500, milliliter collapsible water bottles these cadence and then your pack is whatever ounces or whatever milliliters and then you you have sort of your rough plan mm-hmm. yeah and always just bring that one extra little gel or one extra fun size snickers or whatever because you never know if you're gonna end up walking a section that you thought you'd run or whatever just having that extra even 100 calories can really make or break mm-hmm. a day so i always have a couple spares just at the bottom of my pack. I mean, sure, we could be going ultra light and I could be trying to avoid anything, anything that would be extra weight, but I just don't think it's worth it. Like that's like carrying only one CO2 and no mini pump. And I do think that the answers to these types of questions often it's the answer is that in training, you need to run with the stuff more and, and try and make training gradually become more like the race. Not that you run 50 K, but I think you can iron out a lot of this stuff in, in a shorter, whatever a reasonable long run or key weekend workout would be put it all on practice eating it you know did you feel good or did you vomit (laughs) we're aiming for in between those two points right so i think that's you know train it that's the wisdom hopefully you have time Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. All right. Well, let's let's wrap that up. We have a bunch of questions that came in that are excellent. We're really excited about them. Hit us up with any racing, training, or nutrition questions on our next uh, next podcast. We'll do our best to answer them. You can find us over at Instagram at Consummate Athlete or grab us on the contact page over at ConsummateAthlete.com. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend of training. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram, at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.